Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real with host Ray Zander. Get ready to expand your life, your knowing, your alignment with Source. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Everyday Attraction here on Unity Online Radio and AlignRadio.com. My name is Ray, and I'm your guest. Well, I mean, I'm actually your host for the hour with a special guest. Very excited um, to introduce uh, someone who is near and dear to my heart, who's going to be a part of our discussion today as we talk about the mystical and the practical in our spiritual journey. So I want to welcome to the show uh, Reverend Bill Engelhart. Hello, Bill. Hi, Ray. It's great to be here. Well, Bill is a senior minister at Unity in Marin. And he is also an author of a book that is called Spiritual Rules of the Road, which he'll be talking about today. And he also serves on the board of trustees at the Unity School. So we have a we have a high ranking Unity minister here on the show today, people. <laughs> We're going to be on our best behavior. <laughs> All right, Ray. I want to see you on your best behavior. Yet or not. To see that, so. <laughs> or not. Or not. I uh, I so enjoy knowing Reverend Bill, and of course, he is my minister at Unity in Marin. And um, what I love so much about the Unity principles, and you know, very much what we hear every week as we talk about the Abraham principles is this idea that we are both mystical and practical, that we have this opportunity in our lives to be both aware of the largeness of who we are and the infinite and the eternalness of us. And many of you who've studied unity principles will know, you know, that is the, the authentic or the absolute. And then also the practical, the day to day. And uh, I know that when I first began began my spiritual quest, I uh, spent many, many years as a more fundamentalist Christian and found that the mystical part of it was was wonderful. And yet I also yearned for a more practical application of my spirituality in my day-to-day life and found that some of those more traditional um, ways of being weren't working for me. And there comes unity. Don't we always attract exactly what we need? Uh, what was your journey like to unity, Reverend Bill? How did you find this practice? Well, I grew up in uh, Catholicism. I used to be an altar boy, believe it or not. Hello. <laughs> and uh, I, I just got to say that all the years that I went, that I wasn't really, I wasn't really getting it. You know, I guess I wasn't really seeing how I could apply it in my life. And I guess for me, for many years, uh, as a young man, I kind of looked at religion as an insurance policy for the next life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not something you really needed to worry about day to day. That's right. It wouldn't help me now, but when I got to the pearly gates, I could like show a time card and say, you know, I went every week for an hour. 
I'm in. And I left right after communion with everybody else. But, you know, that's going to get me in. So I had a pretty uh, childish understanding, I think, of spirituality and uh, religion. And like I said, it didn't really feed me. And so at a certain point in time, I didn't go to church at all for several years. And then I got to the point of uh, really wanting to have more of a spiritual foundation. Uh, I'd been involved in the martial arts for many years. And so I'd learned about meditation and visualization and uh and so at some point, I started church shopping and uh, walked into uh, Unity Temple on the Plaza down in uh, Kansas City, where I was living at the time, and knew nothing about them other than a friend of mine referred me. And so I went there, and I was just totally blown away because the minister was up talking about practical applications of spiritual principles and how it was helping him in his life. and. To me, it was a totally different experience uh, having someone up there who worked in the corporate world and uh, had a family and uh, is dealing with the same kind of challenges that I think most of us are. And so it really spoke to me. And, of course, later on, I come to find out that the Unity Temple on the Plaza was actually Charles and Myrtle Fillmore's church. You know, that was the one that uh, they had started over on Ninth and Tracy, and then they moved the congregation down to Unity Temple on the Plaza. And, uh, so quite the lineage when I figured out what I'd stepped into. Wow, you went to the mother load. I did, I went to the mother, like a mothership, you know, <laughs> I, by accident. And, uh, I love that. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring up Charles and Myrtle, because I think in a, in a way those two as a couple kind of symbolize uh, both the mystical and the practical. You know, because I know uh, Fillmore's work, and and I don't claim to be an expert in any way, shape, or form, but it feels like he really wanted to uh, make this applicable to our daily lives. And Myrtle was just this amazing person who could pray and and really allow spirit to move through her and actually heal her of a of of a disease that at the time ter- tuberculosis tuberculosis there it is locus. <laughs> Now they've solved that. No, no one gets tuberculosis anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, tuberculosis. <laughs> um, she's, you know, was so mystical in her understanding of how to heal the body way, uh, way into that. It's interesting how these two sort of capsules uh, find each other and, and work into uh, quite a, a miraculous practice. You know, one of the things I love about uh, the unity movement is that it was born of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, both of them. So you have really the male and the female really balancing out the energy in the creation of this movement. And uh, Myrtle, she came to this understanding, of course, when she heard uh, after suffering for many years from tuberculosis and and uh, being told she's sickly and she went to all kinds of doctors and uh, none of them could cure her. And it sounded very reminiscent of the story in the Bible of the woman with the flow of blood, you know, who went to every doctor there was in Jesus' time and couldn't get cured. And then Myrtle went and heard uh, E.B. Weeks, a Christian science practitioner, say that you're a child of God and you do not inherit illness. And, of course, Myrtle she recognized right then, she said she knew in that moment that that was the truth. And I believe she felt that was the truth. She didn't just intellectually know that that was the truth. She's, so she said, I, I knew the truth in that moment. And uh, she said it took her body two years to catch up. But, there you go. <laughs> but she knew she was healed in that moment, like the woman with the flow of blood who touches Jesus's uh, garment and she's instantly healed. And Jesus said, your faith made you well. 
Well, I think uh, with Myrtle, she had this understanding that was, I think, was very similar to the idea of becoming like a child to enter the kingdom. She heard it. She believed it. She didn't need to know anything more. She just, okay, that was it. That was the truth. And so she healed, and then she was healing many other people. And so she definitely went right to a mystical experience and saw I love that. And, and saw the, uh, the benefits of being able to do that. But here's the thing about Charles. Now, he, he's a real estate developer, and, and he's watching what's happened to Myrtle. And other people are coming over to the house and hanging out in the living room, and they're getting cured. And he's trying to figure out what in the heck is going on here. And so he's studying all kinds of different religions. He's taking a very intellectual approach to it. And uh, at a certain point in time, he says, all these different religions, all these different practices, talk about all these different things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down in a chair at the same time every day, and I'm going to wait upon the Lord, you know, to see he's going to meditate. He's going to just be open. And he went into it like a business meeting. He didn't go into it with chimes or candles or, you know, right. <laughs> and you're, you know, bathing or anything. He just sat just like a business meeting because he was a businessman. That's where he came from. And uh, he said, if I don't, you know, actually get a download, if I can't really have this experience of God, then the whole thing's a bunch of bunk. You know, he was really ready to let it go. And so, so what happens is over time, he starts to recognize that in his business affairs, he's having like precognition. He's like, oh, he was dreaming about this. He was dreaming about things before they would happen. And so he had really opened up a, uh, a channel within himself to his higher self. And again, he did it by just being very practical and sitting down at the same place for the same amount of time every day and just waiting. You know, he would just wait. And he became one of the greatest uh, people about sitting in the silence and a great proponent of that because that really was the proof for him that he was actually communicating with his higher self. I love how they represent the journey, you know, that many of us find us find ourselves on. And it is this moment of awakening, this sort of realization that we are uh, not, uh, there are times in our lives we're not really opening to all that is available to us, all that is an awareness that is available to us. Did you have a time in your life, Bill, where you just really found yourself awakening to that broader knowing and feeling real connection to something beyond uh, your daily life? Sure. There was a time uh, when I was uh, executive at a Fortune 50 corporation, and I got this idea, uh, and it had to be a spiritual idea because it made no practical sense for someone who was, you know, wanting to continue to be like on the fast track, moving up the corporate ladder. And this I was in my 30s and uh, things were going really well. And I had a great career in front of me. And uh, for some reason, I got this idea that I needed to go hike the Appalachian Trail. Wow. Now, I guarantee you that's not in any of the guidebooks about how to get ahead in business. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. <ya. laughs> And I just knew at an inner knowing that this is what I needed to do. And so I, you know, planned it and I was going to have to be gone for six months. And so I went in and I asked my boss, I said, uh, okay, um, you know, I'm going to go hike the Appalachian Trail in a month. And uh, I'd really like to get a leave of absence. If not, I'm just going to have to resign and, you know, and. He went and talked to people up the ladder, and this company had never, ever granted a leave of absence. 
for anybody other than a medical reason in its 100-year history. But when he started talking to people up the ladder, they thought it was a really cool idea. And they said, yeah, go ahead. Wow. So I got a six-month leave of absence. And I talk about it more in my book. There's all kinds of synchronicities that went along with that. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm out on the Appalachian Trail. One day I'm in the corporation running big meetings, you know, traveling all over and, uh, you know, flying around in the corporate plane. And then the next day I'm out in the middle of the woods (laughs) with my backpack. And I'm hiking up and down these mountains. And uh, part of me is wondering, okay, what in the world am I doing? What am I doing here? Right. (laughs) But I just had this knowing that I had to do it. And I got up to the top of this one mountain. And if anybody, uh, people that are listening, have hiked any part of the Appalachian Trail, uh, there's just a lot of ups and downs. You know, it gets the top of the mountain, bottom, top, you go up and down. And I got up to the top of this one mountain. And it was very barren. And uh, I think it was early April. And uh, everything around, nothing had really grown in yet on the tops of the mountain. And out of nowhere, these two butterflies just started flying all around me, two yellow butterflies. And I'm looking around. There's no flowers. There's no (laughs) vegetation Mm. that you normally associate with butterflies. It just made me stop. And in that moment, I I had an awakening. Mm. And that awakening was that out here on the trail – where I had to totally surrender, and I did. As soon as I took my first step, I'm like, I'm turning it over to you, God, because you know I have never done anything like this before. And uh, I recognized that all my needs were being taken care of. When I needed water, I'd come upon a stream. When I uh, needed a place to pitch my tent, I'd find one just at the right time before it would get dark out. Uh, when I needed companionship out on the, uh, on the trail, most of the time you're on your own, But if I felt I really wanted to talk to somebody, someone, another hiker, another through hiker would come by and I'd get a chance to talk. And I recognized all my needs are being met out here. And then in the same flash, I'm recognizing, why didn't I recognize that back when I was at home? I had running water when I (laughs) had, but I had a bathroom, you know, how could I not recognize that? And so in that moment, I just totally got it that, uh, I'm always being cared for. Everything I need will be provided. And that is, it, it's, I think it's almost um, a remembering because I think as children, we have more of an innate remembering of, of that sort of uh, place, that secure place that we come from, that unlimited place. And somewhere along our, you know, and it's all good, it's all along, along our trail, we sort of lose sense of that and we get very much into the world. And it's so wonderful to fall back into that remembering, you know. And whether you come at it from the practical to the mystical or the mystical to the practical, it doesn't really matter. So if you come either way, there's there's something that is pulling you, something that is wanting you to remember that larger self, to remember that um, that total, complete, true self that has all its needs met, that has everything uh, there for you, and that you are embraced and loved unconditionally. I think we all yearn for that, and it's so wonderful to come home to it. And, and then we want to take that back into the practical, right? We want to take that back into the everyday. And that's really kind of the next part of the journey, I think, when we wake up from that that new understanding and then how do we bring it home you know how do i apply this in my corporate life mm-hmm. how do i you know how do i apply this did you i know now you're a minister but you had to, at some point did you go back to work or did you say this is it for me no i went back to work and uh i brought, excuse me 
<clears throat> I went back to work and I brought that awareness with me. And, and that is uh, key. That is one of the key biggest things I ever wanted to do in the corporate world that I hadn't done up until that point in time was to work overseas to get an international assignment. And uh, I believe me, I had tried to manipulate my way <laughs> to <laughs> buddy up with people that had gone overseas. I mean, I tried everything I could do on the uh, material level to make that happen. And I and I I finally just threw up my hands and said, "Well, I guess I'm not going to get to do that." And it was something I really desired. But when I surrender to it, then I go, I, I hike the Appalachian Trail, I come back, and I end up, uh, uh, I'd gotten injured on the trail, but I came back, and uh, a couple months later, I went back to work, and uh, finished an assignment in a short order. Within nine months of coming back, I got offered a job at that same company to go work internationally. And so I ended up doing that for, you know, a couple of years, and that was my dream job, and uh and I, I can really recognize that everything, all those decisions I'd made, whether it was going on the Appalachian Trail, coming back, the assignments that I worked after that, everything really prepared me to be able to get into that dream job that I always wanted, that I couldn't manipulate my way into, but I could just surrender and see how the universe, see how spirit was able to provide the path for me to do exactly what I needed to do. Well, you just embodied in that story that ability to release and allow and then all of those desires can actually make their way to the physical and i think that again is such a practical application of this mystical principle that when we actually surrender or release resistance is what we talk a lot about on the show um just let it go know that there is a higher order to which one can allow and that doesn't mean you can't have what you want it's actually quite the opposite i think it's a very interesting paradox it's like when we release control that is the time that we actually can have it you know that we can have the desires of our heart because spirit is working with us and wanting those desires of our heart and i think it is that kind of practicality that attracted me so much to this practice because you, I think a lot of us have settled with this idea in the world that we can't have what we want, that we can't have those grander desires. And yet um, what we learn from this practice is that the desires of our heart is God speaking to us, but how we allow that. And I, I love that story that you told because that is exactly it. You will, you let it go and allowed it even though you didn't know you were doing that, and voila, it became an opportunity for you to have what you want. That is that interesting, again, mystical, practical opportunity <laughs> that we embody. And I just think it's so powerful to be in the world knowing what we know. Um, and it also makes life a heck of a lot more fun. We're going to take a quick break. We are speaking to Reverend Bill Engelhart of Unity in Marin, author of Spiritual Road of the Rule, Spiritual Rules of the Road, um, and also uh, part of the Unity School. So, Bill, hold on. We'll be right back after the break. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. 
In a world that accepts mediocrity, conformity, and limitation, we are being called to shatter previously held beliefs about what is possible and live bigger, bolder, and more outrageously. As we explore cutting-edge ideas, people, teachings, and practices, we will settle for nothing less than a life lived with passion and purpose. Join Reverends Robin Ryder and Robin Ferguson live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Time and explore what it is like to live your life out loud. Rebels with a Cause, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Rev. Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how you can activate your own power of yes. Using affirmative prayer or positive intention can make a big difference in the way you think, feel, and live. If you want help moving from chaos to clarity in relationships, health, prosperity, or work, this is the place for you. We'll have some how-to suggestions about how you can say yes more often from this point forward. Talk with Beverly Molander and her guest live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern. Affirmative prayer, activating the power of yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Return to Everyday Attraction and the Metaphysical Porch with your spiritual neighbor, Ray Zander. Have a sit, get something to sip, and let's get real. Spiritual. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Attraction here on Unity Online Radio and also AlignRadio.com. I am very excited to have special guest Reverend Bill Engelhart on the line. He is... Um, talking to us about his journey. He has just authored a book called Spiritual Rules of the Road. Uh, Bill, where can we get that book? If you go to uh, unityandmarin.org, and right on the uh, homepage, there's a link, and you can purchase it right online. Obviously, Rules of the Road, very practical, how to actually <laughs> take this stuff to the, the driving experience. You know, what I, what I was so impressed with you, Bill, when I first met you and you first came to Unity in Marin was, and I'll never forget this, the first thing that you did was a workshop about Phineas Quimby. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, I don't know if you would consider him a, a founder of unity or, or part of the unity movement how do you describe who phineas quimby is tell us a little bit about him sure i look at phineas uh, parkhurst quimby as really the father of new thought in the united states and when you think of new thought and you think of unity of religious science of christian science and divine science and uh, he was a person that was really instrumental i believe in the creation of that whole idea about mental healing. In fact, he cured uh, Warren Felt Evans, who was the first New Thought author. He wrote a book called Mind Cure, and this is back in the mid-1800s. Mary Baker Eddy, uh, who started up Christian Science, that 
he had cured her as well. And I know there's controversy about that, but there's plenty of things that have been written about it. And uh, Annetta Seabury and Julius Dresser, um, who were uh, very close students of his as well. And if we look at Mary Baker Eddy, she had a teacher or the person that worked for her that she taught named Emma Curtis Hopkins. And Emma Curtis Hopkins uh, split off from Mary Baker Eddy. They had a difference of opinion. Uh, I think Emma thought Mary was a little bit too restrictive. And Emma Curtis Hopkins went off and she became what's known in New Thought Circles as the teacher of teachers. And so she ended up teaching the Fillmores, who started the Unity Movement, uh, Ernest Holmes, who started religious science, uh, Nona Brooks, uh, who started uh, divine science, and she even taught Emily Cady, who is the author of Lessons in Truth. Amazing lineage right there. I just It gives me just this chill of... Of, uh, of talk about allowing this sort of chain of events where people were really hungry for understanding something beyond what they had known uh, from their own religious practices and that this, this chain of spiritual legacy from Quimby, you know, to Emma Curtis Hopkins. Um, oh, I mean, talk about a mystical author. If anyone has not ever uh, not had a chance to read Emma Curtis Hopkins, get one of these books. Oh, if you can, get a delicious um, uh, older one, maybe some something that's been passed around for many, many years. I love those little books. Just really awakens the potential within us and, and then a, our ability to fully embody these principles, uh, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from. Um, that is just so fantastic. It is really exciting. Now, I remember with Quimby, and I don't, I'm, I might be jogging your memory, but because this is a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I remember that you did a workshop and you had, um, you had some sort of exercise that we did to really help us understand the power of our minds and our ability. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I've run that uh, workshop at Unity and Marin several times. I've done it in Dallas. I was actually asked to do it when I was in ministerial school uh, as a student. I did it for my class as well as the class behind me. I think the teachers you know, were impressed with my knowledge of it because I just really loved this whole idea of mental healing and understanding healing and uh, Quimby. And so yeah, I do this workshop and uh, I call it Everyone a Healer. And what I do is I have people sit with each other and I do kind of a blind test where I, you know, split the groups up into two groups. Uh, One's going to be the patients, the others, the practitioners. And it doesn't really matter if anybody has anything going on with them or not. And I have the, uh, the uh, patients sit in a room. I just say, be quiet and just, you don't have to think about anything. Just, just sit there. And then I go over and I spend about 10 minutes training, um, the practitioners in just really the basics of this whole idea of uh, being open and mental healing. And then I bring them back in and, uh, and I have them sit down. Then I tell all the patients to say, go sit with somebody you don't know. And all the practitioners eyes are closed. So you don't know who it is that you're sitting across from. That's really what I'm trying to, to get to. And I lead them through about a half an hour exercise. And uh, by the end of that exercise, I have, people describe what the experience has been that they were getting in thought transference from the person sitting across from them. And uh, I said, I've done it. uh, Hundreds and hundreds of people have gone through it. And I've never had a situation where 
uh, I didn't have an overwhelmingly positive response of people getting what was going on in the person sitting across from them's mind. Uh, last, I love it. The last time I did it, uh, one of the things that really stuck out for me was uh, it was just as simple. Was a woman said, "Okay, well, I'm going to say here's the here's what I got when I did this." Talking to the person who was sitting across from her, who she never met before, said, "I got this picture of uh, a bluebird." And I just, I don't know why I get this picture of a bluebird, but that's all I'm getting is a bluebird. And the woman who she never met before said, well, my husband says that I'm obsessed with bluebirds. <laughs> I love it. She said, why is that? She said, well, there's this bluebird that during a storm landed on our uh, windowsill out by the kitchen. And so I've been feeding it like every day. And when I go out of town, I have him feed it. You know, so he, he says, I'm just obsessed with this idea of the bluebird. And uh, of course... How did this woman know? The woman that sat with her had no idea. This woman hadn't talked to anybody but her husband about the bluebird, didn't know the person she was sitting across, but the person who sat across from her clearly got this image. You know? I love it. I love it. This this whole understanding, and of course, she won me over big time um, during that that process because I really felt like we were getting more specific about our capacity to not only heal ourselves but be um, a, a, an energy force that can assist others, and that that really is such a a heartfelt principle in what we want to obviously heal ourselves and then have the ability to connect with one another and offer our knowing to each other. There just isn't anything better than that, especially in a, a community. But it, that, and that is that mystical part of it. I mean, talk about coming far from the corporate world. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that kind of, <laughs> all right, all right, everybody sit down. <laughs> and yet we're all capable of it. And I think that was what, what, you know, the takeaway was from that experience, yes. you know, is that it's in all of us. It's not. And I think that's one thing we wake up from our religiosity is it's not just about um, the leaders in the church and it's not just about Jesus and it's not just about the priest or the rabbi. It is embedded in all of us. And that's a, that's another amazing mystical awakening. Yeah, and yeah. I believe it when Jesus said, what I can do, you can do also and even greater things than these you can do. And when I start these workshops off, I tell people, I said, you know, is anybody here a professional healer? Anybody here a mind reader? You know, and of course nobody is. And but by the end of it, I'm like, okay, you with 10 minutes of me talking to you can sit down with somebody and you can you can feel, you can see. Some people have come away with a smell or a word or uh, a feeling, and then you describe it to the person across from you, and they get what it is that you're talking about. What, what's going on there is that there's a thought transference that's taking place. And if that's the case, if there's a thought transference taking place, then you're more than your body. Yeah. You know? And that is, that's part of that awakening. It's part of that um, embodying that we are so much more than what we see, hear, feel, taste, touch. Um, and many of us, you know, have that innate knowing, but to really experience it in a visceral way that you are picking up on information that you shouldn't quote unquote know, mm -hmm. I think can really open people up to um, the, what their higher source, what their inner being has been wanting to communicate. Because once those channels are open, quote unquote. And, and I always feel like, you know, we do, you know, tend to put some teachers on pedestals because they bring in source very beautifully. And I appreciate that. And I love that. But we never want to say, 
well, I have to go to them to get connection with my inner being. I have to go to that experience to know what my uh, high self is trying to say. It's really taking that home and making that relationship uh, alive and well that I think is so important. I agree. And we are responsible for that as individuals. I mean, it's easy to say, well, I'll turn it over to the priest or the minister or the rabbi or somebody else to handle it. But the truth is that it all resides in ourselves and awakening to that Christ self, as we call it, your higher self, your God self, whatever it is that you want to name it, that that's an inside job. And that's the work that we are really called upon to do. And when we know ourselves, then we really can have the experience of God. It's so um, interesting to see how also our world is reflecting some of these quote-unquote mystical practices now in the quantum scientific world. I mean, we talk about this all the time in Unity and Science of Mind and how now our you know, very practical scientific practices, quantum physics being a key to this, is also showing us the same thing that we're talking about with these mystical teachers, that we are so much more than our bodies and that thought transference and the ability to uh, tap into other energies and actually affect reality. And and I think that's where you really start getting into the practical from the mystical. What? I create my own reality. <laughs> Stop the presses. <laughs> and now, everybody believes that when things are going well in their life. Yeah, when things yeah. aren't going well, then it's like, no, it has to be something outside of myself. Yeah. Now, isn't that challenging as a as a minister? I would imagine because I think traditionally we go to ministers to say, you know, heal me or make this go away, or and and you know, you have to gently but firmly, I would imagine, remind someone that they are indeed the apex of that which is ongoing. Uh, is that challenging? <laughs> Well, I look at it like the, one of my teachers taught me a long time ago that the job of a minister is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I guess part, part of what my calling is, is to help people stretch their consciousness no matter what it is that's going on, whether it's a great thing in their life or a challenge. Uh, but most of the time, we're really more open to it when there's a big challenge, when things are falling apart, when there's we're not quite sure what to do. And my job is, uh, I guess I'd look at it like this, that we're all caterpillars, and but we all have that inner butterfly potential. And to tell a caterpillar you can be a butterfly may sound like it's in crazy talk, you know, <laughs> that right. you're in charge of your own you know, life experience. I mean, no, I, you know, I can't fly. I'm a, I'm a caterpillar. But what I hope to do when I talk every week is to help people understand that you can spin that cocoon. You can create that inner space within you where you get to go in and transform. And whatever the challenge is, when we go within, like Charles Fillmore talked about, or many of the uh, spiritual leaders uh, over time, that you go within you get silent, and then you can really change everything. And just and it's just as dramatic as a caterpillar becoming a butterfly as it is to go within and be able to say that the external circumstances in my life have no power over me. It's how I meet and greet those external experiences that that's where the power is. And so it's all really within me. I get to ter- get to determine my own happiness 
in this life experience. And that's a huge, huge transformation. It is. I mean, you really get to leave blame behind and take on what I call a radical responsibility for your own experience. And sometimes that's a welcoming thought and sometimes that just feels wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I like that radical responsibility. And, uh, and And I do believe we are responsible for how we experience life. And then there's, you know, our consciousness, which creates our experience. But we also have to recognize, and I also recognize, that there's human race consciousness, you know, human race consciousness. And then if the human race consciousness is, uh, you know, continually battering us with the idea that at a certain age you're going to need glasses or that you're going to get sick or that you can't do this or you can't do that, that we're constantly, our consciousness and the field of consciousness is being reinforced with that. And we're going to be affected to some degree by the human race consciousness, but our individual consciousness can even overcome that. We can awaken again to the broader story, the broader knowing, and then we go again, mystical, practical, mystical, practical. We have a few minutes left before Bill has to go to his many responsibilities waiting for him today. Um, Tell us a little bit about the impetus for the book uh, and how that came about and and, um, how that feels now to be uh, an author. Sure. Well, uh, and again, this is really a mystical thing because uh, I got a download from God that said, okay, you know, what are the things that you enjoy the most? And I said, well, spirituality, humor, and cars. There you go. And so... It came to me, okay, I'm going to write a book that's going to combine all three of those things, spirituality, humor, and cars. And, of course, I Googled it and uh, found out uh, no one had ever done that before. I love it. <laughs> hey, that, that's, you can't say that about many you things. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I talk about my many experiences with cars, and I'm just as likely to quote uh, Jeff Foxworthy or Dale Earnhardt, you know, a comedian or race car drivers, as I am the Bible to take these uh, spiritual principles uh, and make them really practical and accessible. And so for me, it's the perfect book to uh, be able to give to somebody that uh, say here, it's a quick read, but there's a lot of depth here in a, in a way to expose people to spirituality in a way that in a, with a medium with which we all have experience with cars, you know, we break down, we get tickets, uh, all kinds of things that we've had, have had happen in cars over the years. And so it's uh, definitely a unique book. Uh, I really enjoyed writing it. And uh, whenever I speak about it, I get pretty good feedback from people who've also had great experiences with cars. And now they can relate those experiences to spirituality in a way. I love it. I'm a big car fan. I think I got that from my dad. Love the car and love the freedom. Uh, the symbolism of freedom, freedom of being able to move without hindrance. And there's a lot of great sort of metaphysical things about our, our transportation, transformation, as Reverend Michael Beckwith talks about, you know, that I love. I think there's some beautiful metaphors there. So congratulations on that. And thank you so much for spending time with us on Everyday Attraction. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. I've been speaking with Reverend Bill Engelhardt of Unity in Marin and also author of Spiritual Rules of the Road, which you can go uh, to unityinmarin.org, or is it .com, Bill? .org. .org, uh, and order that book for you. Bill, thank you so much. Thanks, Ray. Blessings to you. 
Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction is real. Think about it. Let it unfold. Let it go. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? With all the things you love to do Hey, hey, treat yourself to more A little more summer, a little more sun A little less work and a lot more fun A little more beach, a little more sand A little less stress and a lot more pain Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do, and a lot more be. been listening to everyday attraction where the law of attraction gets real to learn more become a fan of our facebook page search for everyday attraction or email us at everyday attraction at unity.fm your comments and participation are sincerely welcomed welcome back it was so great to have reverend bill on the line with us uh, telling us a little bit about his journey in the mystical and the practical as we learn to become more fully who we are and quite frankly live the life we intended to live when we decided to come to this delicious physical experience. We've been talking earlier in the hour about authenticity. We've been talking about understanding who we really are and and of course we want to rope this back into the Abraham teachings and what is so clear about these teachings is that our authentic self, our true self, our high self, our um, absolute self is joyful, is love. And so when we touch those emotions, we know we are touching the truth of who we are. And what a great guide. What a wonderful way to remember who we really are. I'm going to play a little track, actually, that was recently recorded at an Abraham Hicks workshop. Uh, we encourage you to check out the full tracks over at abraham-hicks.com. Buy the workshop if you can, or get their uh, their monthly tape, which is I mean their monthly CD, which is just exquisite. And this particular track just talks to what we've been speaking about before, the clarity and the beauty of knowing when we have emerged into our mystical, practical, abundant self. We'll play a little bit of the track and come back and go deeper into it. Here we go. So um, in this conversation is, is this word that's really just been penetrating my mind and my heart lately is this word of being authentic. What does it mean for us to be authentic? Be who you are. Be who you are. Because your authentic self is in the vortex thriving. 
And if you are experiencing even a small particle of negative emotion, you are less than authentic because you've pinched yourself off from the true authenticity of who you are. So how would one know when they're truly authentic? You feel fabulous in the moment. And don't demand it of yourself in every moment. Just be it as often as you can. Can we be there all the time? You can. Yeah. It takes some practice, though. And it's easier when you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> because as long as you're physically focused, there are people around you who are going to disappoint you or who are going to misbehave and and you don't want to withdraw well many of you do you join country clubs and such you want to you, you withdraw from anything that isn't pleasing but you you don't want to withdraw you want you, what you really want here's the way if we were standing in your physical shoes that we would achieve and maintain for the most part our physical human authenticity meaning our physical human alignment with the whole of who we are we would really focus upon the making peace in the moment with what is part. Because in, in just relaxing and accepting what is in an attitude of okayness, let's see if we can hit this in a stronger way. It's, so let's say that you're having a moment that feels less than good for some reason. Maybe someone's disappointed you. Maybe someone that you care about is struggling with something. It, it doesn't matter what the issue is. But you're having this manifested moment where you are feeling the pinched offness that you were describing of who you really are and taking it far enough to say to yourself, I'm not authentically being who I am. So then as you stop and wish that it could be better, you're still not authentically who you are because the source within you is not doing that. You're... you're if you stop and try to push it away in any way, you're, you're still disallowing your alignment with who you are. But when you relax in an attitude of it's okay no matter what it is because it's only the beginning of the journey to where I really want to be, there's a absence of resistance. We, you, if you've been listening to us for a while, and you have, you've heard us say on many occasions that when you sat before Jesus or other healers, there were many, dripping your illness, he did not see your illness. But we want to enhance that statement by saying it wasn't that it wasn't visible and he was blind to it. It was that he felt no concern about it. He didn't worry about it. He was not having an emotional response to your illness because his complete emotional response was to your wellness. So he could behold your illness without freaking out. This is a new message from Jesus. I could behold an illness without freaking out because the illness didn't bother me because it wasn't authentic. It wasn't reality. The reality is over here. It was just the beginning of the journey to which I was giving my undivided attention. And, and there's, there's something in that that no one's quite got their thoughts and feelings around yet that is very powerful because almost everyone is still feeling sorrow or, or wishing that it could be better or hoping for the best where there's still some resistance in it, where if in the, in the compassionate, complete acceptance of the okayness of where you are, 
There's a complete and utter absence of resistance. Now, hear what happens then. In the utter absence of resistance, this powerful vortex, you said it was powerful, and it is. This powerful vortex now, in the absence of resistance, takes you right into clear view, takes you right in, where the manifestations that please you can be revealed to you, and then you know you are the center. So, are you the center of the universe, or are you the center of your vortex? And it, and what's uncomfortable is not letting your stuff be the center of that, oh, that powerful amassing of cooperative components. When you get when you get into when you get into the vortex, you have an instant manifestation of of positive emotion. I'm going to stop there for a moment. We're listening again to a small segment from an Abraham Hicks workshop where talk about the experience of mystical and practical coming together through these teachers. And and this is really a way of, of bringing our whole hour together. Through this mystical experience, through Esther Hicks, which is so beautiful because it really just is her expansion and her willingness to listen to what we all have within us, which is a higher knowing. She's able to break down in this way, through her higher knowing, a very practical way for us to be both in the relative, in the practical world, and still be mystically comprehensive, to be mystically attuned to who we are. And it is, again, as we talk about every week on the show, back to the emotions. You know, it is okay to go into the lower emotions, but know what's going on. We don't have to be ignorant to what's happening in our consciousness. We know, as we heard in the beginning of that track, that our authentic self is pure joy, pure love, pure expansion. And so when we pinch ourselves off from that higher knowing, in the practical day-to-day, bumping against each other and things and experiences, We have an opportunity to not push against it, to relax, to say it is okay. And we talked about this quite extensively last week. But because we have to say to ourselves that the practical experience of life is always the beginning of a mystical journey. (laughs) As they said there, Jesus, when he looked upon the disease, it wasn't that he didn't see it. But he felt no concern, no emotional response, no freaking out. I love that. The new Jesus, no freaking out. Because he knew, as many mystical teachers know, our practical day-to-day is always a road to somewhere. And if we can release the resistance to it, we can very practically (laughs) look at our lives in a clearer, more profound view. And then we get to work with those powerful laws of attraction, those powerful vortex laws, as they spoke about, where when we release resistance, we start to pull in the pleasing desires and the manifestations that we have been wanting. How beautiful is this system if we know the rules, if we understand how these elements interact with each other, how fabulous. Because even the contrast, even the things that we think are making us crazy are a creation of our own making for our own expansion. 
And if we can trust it, if we can simply say, well, this is going somewhere, we really have an opportunity to live full, engaged lives where we're moving quite elegantly in and out of contrast situations, difficult experiences, pain, suffering. Yes, maybe for a period of time, but we know that it's leading to our expansion and we can move into that broader knowing. We can take with us the mystical journey. And then it all comes as one. We don't have to compartmentalize our spiritual life from our practical lives, our daily lives, our getting to work or taking care of the kids. Our, I think really when spirituality starts to have this practical measure of allowing our lives to be more joyful, to get to forgiveness quicker, to see another opportunity with momentum, to not spend too much time in suffering, although when we cut ourselves off, when we pinch ourselves off, we can't actually go too far. We can also trust that that too has divine guidance within it. Our teachers have begun talking about positive contrast, understanding that our higher beings are actually leading us into contrast for our own expansion and that we are that higher being, that it is all one. What a ride, people, what a ride. So I thank you for joining me this hour on Everyday Attraction as we do every week, looking at the profound teachers, the mystical and the practical teachers walking on our planet today. And absolutely, Reverend Bill Englehart is one of those, as the many other teachers that we spoke about today. And we thank you, as always, for participating in this conversation. We're going to end today with a Law of Attraction card reading from those delicious cards that you can get at the abraham-hicks.com website. I recommend you buy a deck of five. Car, one for the car, one for the kitchen, one for the purse. <laughs> it is a wonderful opportunity for us to remember on a daily basis who we are so we can get back to enjoying this life. Thank you again. And here we have our Law of Attraction card reading by our wonderful Charcel. And we'll see you next time on Everyday Attraction. Welcome to your Law of Attraction card reading. Today's card tells us, rather than complaining, I will focus on positive aspects. When you focus upon lack in an attitude of complaining, you establish a vibrational point of attraction that only gives you access to more thoughts of complaint. Your deliberate effort to tell a new story will establish a new pattern of thought, providing you with a new point of attraction from your present, about your past and into your future. The simple effort of looking for positive aspects will set a new vibrational tone that will begin the immediate attraction of thoughts, people, circumstances, and things that are pleasing to you. Rather than complaining, you will focus on positive aspects. This is Charcel reminding you that like attracts like, and that today is sunny with possibilities. If you'd like to purchase your own Law of Attraction cards, visit abraham-hicks-loveattraction.com. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us on Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for more ways to align with your source and start living the life you intended to live. Everyday Attraction is a part of the Align Radio Network at www.alignradio.com and sponsored by Send Out Cards. Check out www.sendoutcards.com forward slash attraction. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. You have a good life and are grateful for it. But what if you stretched beyond good and shifted to amazing? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of the First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an amazing life. Transcend the need for acceptance of others and be an example of living the truth. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an amazing life right now? Learn how each week on From Good to Amazing, Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. (laughs) 